this is Roberta Foster, and welcome to today's edition of The Author's Corner, brought to you by KNEO 91.7 FM, The Word. And today I welcome back George Shamblin to Author's Corner. He has written the book Inerrancy, which is published by Union Hill Publishing, and he'll tell you more about how to find the book at the end of the program. So let me tell you a little bit about George. He is a pastor at the Center for Executive Leadership in Birmingham, Alabama, where he teaches Bible studies and disciples others at various stages of spiritual growth. He serves on the board of Real Life International and has been an adjunct professor at Birmingham Theological Seminary. And in 2023, he and his brother Keith co-founded a missions ministry called the Overseas Initiative. He's also an accomplished author, and uh, we talked with him once before about his novel, The Relay. Today, we're going to be talking about inerrancy. And so, George, thank you so much for being with us here on KNEO. Roberta, that was such a kind introduction, and it is very nice to be back on with you, for sure. Well, let's start with real basics. What does the word inerrancy mean? The, the word inerrancy, it's a word that people have to kind of lock in and understand what it is, what it means. It simply means that all of Scripture is breathed out by God. That means it's trustworthy. It's without error. It's reliable. We can depend on it. Our faith, our life, our beliefs has to be built off the Bible. And it's just the way it is in our country and throughout the world. People started cherry-picking in Scripture. Well, I like this. I don't like that. We just are not afforded that opportunity. This book is saying we really have to answer the question, Mm -hmm. do we believe in this book, meaning the Bible, all of it, or do we believe parts and not parts? And if so, which parts are supposed to be believed? (laughs) That's really the whole premise of the book. You know, that is such a challenge. Well, it's kind of like the difference between believing the entire Bible being true and cherry-picking, as you mentioned, uh, as uh, creation and evolution. It's it's so hard to understand the option versus the truth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, how would a person even begin to say that they know what is true in the Bible when they're not God? True, and and this is an, an actual story. When I was in college, I wasn't a believer. I went to my campus minister, and I said, I've got a brother-in-law who talks about Jesus in public. He quotes Scripture. He's just, you know, all into Jesus, which is cool, but it's kind of weird. And he says all of the Bible is true. And I said to the minister, is it or is it not? I'll never forget what he said, and I was not a believer. He said, George, Parts are true, parts are untrue. Even as a non-believer, I thought, but wait a minute. I mean, what's the obvious follow-up to that? How do you know which parts are and which parts Mm -hmm. are not? Nobody's been able to give a reasonable answer to that question. And can they even today? (laughs) Of of course not. And and it it just blows my mind that somebody will say, well, yes, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And then in the very next minute, they will say, but I believe Adam and Eve were, you know, myths or fables or Jonah and, you know, the, the creation account. I mean, they, they'll just, and it's like, wait a minute, 
you just said you believe that God was able to raise Jesus from the dead and he was resurrected, but yet you don't believe something over here. It's just very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And, and if I can add one other thing, the very first thing we learn about this crafty serpent mm. in Genesis chapter 3, the very first words he utters are, did God really say? Mm. People are doing the same thing today. And the mm-hmm. answer is yes, he did say it, and we are called to believe it and trust that he knows what he's doing. Do you think some of that comes from the fact that there are parts of Scripture that seem hard to swallow, and so people are trying to explain it in the natural when it's actually a supernatural event? Of course. And listen, you and I would tell anybody in your audience, there are some portions of Scripture that all of us read that are uncomfortable, or we go, oh, that that's not the easiest thing for me to get my hands around. And that's that's okay to say this is kind of hard. But at the end of the day, we have to say, but his ways are higher than our ways, mm-hmm. his thoughts, than our thoughts. And when he said that all of his word is inspired, is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training righteousness, either we believe him at his word or we don't. Mm-hmm. You make the statement that while grace without truth can lead to a weak, pick-and-choose Christianity, truth without grace can be downright mean. So talk to us about the importance of truthful speech as well as a winsome attitude. For sure. There, are, there is certainly a time for us as believers to be very direct. There's even a time for us to be... Um, you know, as straightforward as possible, and sometimes that can come across as sharp, and that's okay. But I I love the word winsome. We can let people know in a winsome manner who we are and who we believe, but if I'm getting angry at somebody and I'm getting mad, and yet the Bible says be angry and don't sin, Mm -hmm. that's just sending the wrong message. There is a way to communicate with others in a respectful way. And just, if we have to say, hey, we agree to disagree, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, but we can't just throw out grace and seasoning our speech with salt because we're trying to drive home a point. That just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I think it especially doesn't work in a society today where there are people that are hungry for the truth, but they also have to be given it in a way that allows them to absorb it. That's exactly right. And there's just so many verses in Scripture uh, about the way we talk to people, the way we communicate, and, and even with our children. I mean, I can get across a point to my children, but if I'm mad and angry and slamming my fist on the table, am I really doing justice to the message I'm wanting to communicate? It's almost like when somebody resorts to name-calling, they've already lost Mm -hmm. the argument. Mm -hmm. We can make our point without being nasty, and and just, I, I mean, we are to be an aroma of life unto life, not an aroma of death unto death. Sometimes I think with believers, we come across like we've been sucking lemons, you know, and and sour. We don't, we really don't need to to be that way. This is a great time to be a Christian. I think this is a wonderful time 
to be a Christian instead of saying how miserable things are. It's like, look in the first century. Look what happened then. Things were bad all around, and the gospel exploded. So I think this is a great time to be happy in Jesus Mm. and that we've got a great opportunity to share the word with others. I really believe that. Well, we're going to continue our conversation with George Shamblin, but let me remind you, we're talking about his book called Inerrancy. It's published by Union Hill Publishing, and you're listening to Author's Corner. I'm Roberta Foster. Well, at the beginning of your book, you uh, tell a story about how um, you preached um, a funeral, and in that funeral, you saw a bunch of young people, and how you rewrote your sermon in order to meet the needs of your audience. So tell us how you restructured your sermon to meet that audience. For sure. When when I got into the sanctuary, it was a 19-year-old that uh, was in a bad situation, put himself in a bad situation, but he was uh, his, he lost his life. And when I went up to preach the funeral, you know, I've got everybody behind me. And when I got up in the pulpit, I realized just from outward appearance and just uh, just kind of gauging the audience that what I was saying was very radical in nature. They'd never heard these things before. Mm-hmm. And I thought for a lot of people, they may say, you know what, to reach them, we need to tone it down. And it was like, no, this is a great time mm-hmm. to say you too one day will meet your Lord. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was very clear when we love him that that he accepts us. Whosoever will may come. But on the other hand, he said, whoever's ashamed of me, he said, I'll be ashamed of you. And, mm-hmm. and so the point was, I didn't want to water down the message. And I'm not sure I remember having a more engaged audience in my lifetime, and it was just gospel, the blood, sweat, and tears of the cross. It was coming Mm -hmm. from the heart, and what God lost when His Son was on the cross. And so for the parents to say, God can relate, you you having lost your son, God knows. Mm -hmm. He knows the pain. He Mm -hmm. knows the hurt. He knows the suffering. And I, I just can't tell you, in 30 years of ministry... That's probably the most dialed-in audience I ever remember, and I'm just glad that that I didn't say, according to my wisdom, well, Mm -hmm. I need to tone it down. We just, we we don't need to do that. We need to give people Jesus and Him crucified. Mm Mm-hmm. And and in that is the truth. And the another comment you make is loose leaning enlightened churches are seeing their membership leave in droves, yet Bible believing churches seem to be seeing their congregation and their people that are coming to them for the truth to actually be growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, this is you know it, this hurts, but. If we look at an organization like the Boy Scouts of America, they started making concessions decades ago. And once you make one little concession, the next concession is knocking at the door. And before you know it, decade after decade of making little, you know, concessions, well, the Boy Scouts of America ended up having to file for bankruptcy. The same thing with churches. I feel like so many churches 
uh, started, you know, making a concession 30, 40, 50 years ago saying, well, we're going to loosen our stance here and then we're going to loosen our stance there and we're not going to pay attention to these verses and we're Mm going to, well, all of a sudden they've made so many concessions, they don't stand for anything. There's just a, a huge danger there. We just have to be faithful, keep our hand to the plow and not turn back. And that includes with Scripture. And so what are you hoping is accomplished when reading your book, Inerrancy? If there was one goal I hope to accomplish, it's the the first chapter, and it says, my challenge to you is to ask your minister, where do you stand Mm -hmm. on inerrancy? Any pastor knows what that question is. You don't have to define the word. You don't have to describe it. It's a yes-no question. It's like me asking a minister, a fellow minister, are you a Christian? It's mm-hmm. either yes or no. Right. If the minister said, well, what do you mean by a Christian? Or how do you define that? I think we've got to hold pastors accountable and yeah. say, just come out and say it. Do you believe all of it or do you not? I, I, let's just clear up the air. That's my number one goal in writing this book is to keep people honest on this issue. Mm, wonderful. So today I've been talking with George Shamblin. He wrote the book Inerrancy. And so, George, how can people find out more about this book and the others you've written and your ministry? That's right. It's georgeshamblin.com, and all the handles are on their way to order the book, get a first chapter for free, weekly blog, things like that. So I would just, um, it always means so much. It, it, you can attest to this. When people are interested in what we're sharing, it means a lot to you and me. So Mm -hmm. I would appreciate if people would at least kind of look and see and hopefully can take something away. So one more time, the book today is Inerrancy, written by George Shamblin. And we certainly thank Union Hill Publishing for providing a copy to talk about. And George, as always, it's a pleasure chatting with you. Roberta, thank you so much. And to our listeners, we appreciate you tuning in. This is Roberta Foster on the Author's Corner. And as a reminder, if you missed any part of today's interview or would like to hear it again, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And keep in mind, you can join us again next time on Author's Corner. The world is in chaos. You're here for a purpose. What does the Bible have to say about it all? I'm Mark Taylor, host of Crosspoint podcast and radio show, and I'd like to invite you to join me each week as I navigate the complexities of faith, culture, and personal growth. Each week, I interview a different guest who is making an impact on the culture of For God's Kingdom. Whether you're seeking spiritual guidance, true information, or a fresh perspective, this podcast equips you to discern truth in today's chaotic world. When Christianity intersects with everyday life, that's where you'll find Crosspoint, sometimes discussing the issues that some churches don't want to talk about. Look up Crosspoint with Mark Taylor wherever you get your podcast produced by KNO Radio and the Sky High Podcast Network.